When I grow up, I want to work for a woke company. Like super woke. When I grow up, when I grow up, I want to be hired based on what I look like rather than my skills. I want to be judged by my political beliefs. I want to get promoted based on my chromosomes. When I grow up, I want to be offended by my coworkers and walk around the office on eggshells and have my words policed by HR. Words like grandfather, peanut gallery, long time no see, no can do. When I grow up, I want to be obsessed with emotional safety and do workplace sensitivity training all day long. When I grow up, I want to climb the corporate ladder just by following the crowd. I want to be a conformist. I want to weaponize my pronouns. What are pronouns? It's time to grow up and get back to work. Introducing the number one woke-free job board in America, redballoon.work. excited for this show. Me hey, y'all. Welcome to Cross Politics on the Fight Lab Feast Network. Pastor Toby, Chuck Knox, um, the water boy. It's good to be with you. And we got uh, our corporate partner, yeah. Armory Republic, David Reese. Yes. Coming in to talk about all things. I mean, like, this is just going to be fire. Christian I mean, nationalism. Body armor. Body armor. <laughs> family This government. is like the, the dude show. Business. You know? Business. Yeah. How to make money. Masculinity. Yeah. Also, femininity. the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference is just weeks away. Yeah! Man. Hey, here's, a, here's how I feel right now. Oh. I feel like no, no, I'm on. having a baby and there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> Are you a seahorse? Once that, once that, that conference is happening. This is supposed to be a man show. It, it, uh, it's true. I just, just ruined it. Just I just ruined, ruined it. I ruined it. But it's it's it, I got it's gonna happen in thirty days, and uh, and however it's gonna come out, it's gonna. <laughs> please pass it, Toby. Stop it. Are you done? Stop please pass it, Toby. Uh, oh, man, sign up. It's gonna be a blast. We're, we're, I, we didn't want to know how no. you felt about it, Gabe. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's at the Ark Encounter, October eleventh through the fourteenth. Um, there's still some room left. Uh, yeah. We'd love for you to register and come join us. Um, we also have. Um, uh, some, um, uh, what do you call them, scholarships, right? There's yeah, some, yeah, some, yeah, yeah. There's scholarships available. So if you're like, man, I'd love to be there. Don't be shy. I just can't quite um, afford the whole ticket. Hey, reach out uh, to contact at crosspolitik.com. That's right. That's right. Um, and um, we do have some scholarships and you available. you don't need to give us a reason. We're, we're yeah. you know, we trust you. Yeah. And, um, we want you there. We, we, we wow. Love, we love people yeah. to be there who want to be there. And, yeah. and so. God going to get you if you're lying. If, if we. <laughs> You're making this harder, too. I'm just saying. The worst conference plug ever. (laughs) We're working on it. (laughs) It's going to be a baby, and not going to get you your lions. (laughs) The festivities that kick off uh, always with Uh, beer and psalms. Uh, this this is for the whole family. There's there's juice box drinks for the kids and and snacks for everybody. We learned some psalms um, and uh, and then, beer for the kids. Uh, beer for the kids. Oh, that came <laughs> out well. Who was who said That's that? David Reese. David Reese, you're, you're not helping either. Um, I probably should just I should, I should probably just end this ad because everybody's like those people are weird. Uh, so don't go to fightlaughfeast.com. Don't sign up. Yeah. Um, but but uh, but nevertheless, uh, we are excited. Politics yeah. of six day creation. Yep. Uh, Pastor Doug, I'm really looking forward to his talks. Uh, we got um, also um, I'll be giving a talk, Doctor Gordon, Gordon, Gordon Wilson, Wilson on the essentials of six day creation, and his book just came out. It's Darwin's not even, it's actually, you can't even get his book yet. You got to go and like oh. sign up for the waiting list. 
to get his book. Oh, Anyways, yeah. Uh, so Dr. Gordon Wilson from Ride the Dance, um, Ken Ham, of course, yeah. the the, um, the the builder of the new art. All the title <laughs> talks are up there. The builder of the new art. Yes. <laughs> the, the, uh, the new art. The new yeah. Noah. Yeah. Um, and then Michael Foster talking about something with maybe manhood. I don't know. The thing or, is, uh, uh, Noah was Presbyterian. Yeah. Well, well, well duh. Great. We just alienated all the Baptists. <laughs> I, I can help with that. Go baptize your kids if you have children. Um, we, we, you don't have to in order to come, just so you know. Um, but there is a petting zoo where we are going to all That's watch right. Knox yep. ride a camel. We're going to put a hat and we're all going to put money in it. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so come out October 11th to the 14th. Go to FightLaughFeast.com. Register today. Reach out if you would like a, um, help with that. Hey, you didn't talk about what we're going to be doing. The show on uh, Christian nationalism. Christian nationalism. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I, I got to tell you, I got to say this. Uh, I was not excited about this particular show. I thought it's, I, I'm tired of the you conversation. Fought it. That's you did fight it. I fought it, it and I was, I was yeah. a little bored. And for something, I, for some, you know what I think it was? I think it's been all the conversation around it on Twitter and X that has gotten me excited to talk about this. Yeah. And so, so we got yeah. Joel Webin and Stephen Wolf yes. and Doug Wilson with us. Yes. Uh, we it, wanted to have it, Scott Annual, but doggone yeah. it. Yeah. Well, they they just are having G three next week. That's right, and they're going to be busy and wrapped up. Yeah. yeah. So maybe we get them after. Yeah. That. Yeah. I'm just saying. Anyways, we're very grateful to have with us today, um, Pastor, CEO, Godfather, David Reese. Maxim. Mm-hmm. Um, he's um, he's pastor of Puritan Reformed Church in Phoenix, Arizona. He's uh, one of our old friends. He's also uh, one of our corporate partners. He's a businessman, entrepreneur, married father of six, and. Wait, if I heard right, David, your son just got married, which means about you know, to. Oh, about to get married. So, about to become the grandfather, Godfather. Ooh. David, thanks for joining us on Cross Politic. Thanks for having me. I'm excited, and I'm praying for grandbabies to come quick. Yeah, and so <laughs> we'll just you know keep praying for that, and then we can baptize them. Hey. <laughs> Man, amen. So, um, David, actually, there's a bunch of stuff we want to talk to you yes. about, and um, and just so you know, in a little bit, we, I'm I'm actually gonna we're gonna um, we're gonna read our Armor Republic ad, and then we want to actually ask you a little bit about um, the work you're doing, um, and particularly um, some, some of the, the new development, the new development you yeah. have in your in your business going on. So we're getting there, um, uh, but want to begin by just asking you uh, more about um, just the state of our country and the state of this conversation that, that Knox just referred to. I mean, there's a lot of discussion about, um, is America a Christian nation? Can nations even be Christian? Um, uh, you know, there's some of our friends, some of our brothers are saying things like, you know, no, no, because, um, you know, uh, everybody in the nation would have to be a Christian in order right. for it to be a Christian nation. Um, you got Christian nationalism and you got a bunch of stripes of that. And, the, and some yeah. of the stripes of it are like really weird and, and freak me out um, kind of weird. And, <laughs> and, and then they've got, you got good brothers like Joel Webin and Stephen Wolf, who I think are, are trying to offer historical reason, biblical arguments uh, for that terminology. And we've got friends like David Bonson that are like, ah, keep me away from that. I don't like that terminology at all. Um, but yes, we ought to have laws that reflect God's law. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, everyone's talking about this. Um, and and you're a pastor and a businessman and a, mm-hmm. and, a and a father. Um, what what are you seeing in this whole conversation, and what do you think people are missing? Yeah, so I think that what people are doing is they're getting caught up on the historical usage of the words. And really, when somebody's talking about an idea, what's important is understanding their definitions for the terms. 
So if somebody says nationalism and what they mean is we need to write or we need to unite around some sort of ethnicity, I disagree with that. If they're saying that we need to recognize that there's a civil order and we share a shared government, then we need to be concerned for what kind of law that government is going to operate under, then I absolutely agree that should be Christian. And so I think when most people say Christian nationalism, what they really mean is we need to have formalized in law a recognition that Christ is the King of Kings, that his word is law, that there ought to be a protection of Christian liberty, and there needs to be an administration of biblical justice. And if that's what Christian nationalism is, I'm all for it. Yeah. Um, I would prefer to use the label civil covenanting, which I think is sort of the historical idea that we we swear that we're going to uphold the Christian law order. But if anybody, you know, there's a story, you know, Jake Gresham Machen, obviously known for being reformed, resisted the liberals in the Presbyterian church in the early 1900s. And, you know, he preferred to be labeled reformed. But when there was a battle between the liberals and the fundamentalists, and he was asked, you know, are you a fundamentalist? He would always say, yeah, I'm a fundamentalist, because he believed in all the fundamentals. But did he want to narrow down Christianity to just be the seven fundamentals of the faith? No, he wanted to include the full-orbed confessional Christianity that he taught. And so that idea that we should be concerned for making sure we don't run away from labels because they're used as a scare tactic, and we should also be careful at the same time when we're talking to each other to try to be precise. So this idea of the conversation that we're having amongst Christians is very important. But this, like the question of can a nation be Christian? I mean, I think the way to bypass that is just, should we build our laws off of God's law or should we make up our laws out of our own understanding or should we get them from demons, like from, you know, false gods? And so mm. uh, the answer is pretty simple. This, David, one of the other things that's coming up, though, is, is there's sometimes people are making this distinction between the first and second table of the law. Uh, they're, right. they're, they're saying, um, and I'm, I have my thoughts on this, but I want to hear your thoughts. They're saying, yeah, yeah, it's totally fine uh, to base our lies, laws off, to, off, off the second table of the law. You Those, know, natural law. Um, <laughs> you know, how we love our neighbor as ourself. Yeah. Uh, but the first table of the law, that was, um, you know, that's, that's not to be uh, instantiated in our civic laws um, because then, you know, what do you do about, are you going to actually have blasphemy laws? Are you going to, are, are you going to, um, you know, deport everyone who is not a Trinitarian Christian or not a Protestant Christian? Um, what's your answer to those objections? Yeah. So first of all, um, you can't love your neighbor without first loving God. So to divorce the second table from the first table is absurd. Um, and in a civil order, you know, what we define as crimes is going to be based upon what God defines as a crime. So the law of God tells us the difference between a righteous action and a sin, but not all sins are crimes. And so the law of God is going to define for us which sins are crimes. And then in addition to that, we have to deal with, okay, so the first table and the second table, there's no basis for ending the enforcement of the first table. Um, I think that there's a general pleading to the idea that the New Testament is different from the Old Testament. Well, no, duh. I mean, like I can read too, but <laughs> but the question is, what is the difference? And so if we're saying the difference is that now all the nations should obey God, except not apply the first table, that doesn't seem like the message. So if we're going to go look at this, we should, we should deal with it in a serious way. And there aren't any really serious arguments for not applying the first table unless you just want to divorce the state from Christianity. But the second thing is you go, okay, well, how do you deal with unbelievers? Well, you 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 don't require people to be Christian to be inside of the state. 
what you do is you do differentiate between who's upholding the national covenant and who's not in terms of who's able to hold civil office and things. Now, our federal constitution prohibits any sort of religious test. Um, and so it prevents any sort of ability to do that. So I think that's a, that's a problem that exists inside of our own civil order. Uh, but the other thing is, um, you allow people who don't believe the Bible to be in the state, but you apply the same criminal code to them. So the behaviors that are considered criminal activities are the same for everybody. So is, can you, um, can you explain a little bit more the difference between sins and crimes and how that would play out specifically with the um, first table of the law? So, um, you know, uh, like, I don't know, how would this apply to Mormons or how would this apply to um, to uh, Muslims? I should have got some popcorn. This is so good. Oh, go ahead. Dave. I'm sorry. Yeah, I appreciate you guys handing me the giving me the softballs. Uh, so, <laughs> so the civil. So what you would do is you look at you look at the difference between sin and crime. Um and so a sin is a matter that's uh, inclusive of external activities, but also of internal activities. So every time I'm valuing anything more than God, that's a that's a sin, right? I'm violating the first commandment to have no other gods before him. Anytime that I use um, one of the elements of worship improperly, um, anytime I'm not preparing my heart properly before coming to the Lord's table. Um, if I take it hypocritically, I'm violating the third commandment. And, you know, if I, if I am thinking about baseball, as opposed to thinking about the sermon, I'm violating the Sabbath. Right. So those are, those are all sins, but none of those are crimes. Right. And so um, Christ paid for all those sins for me. I'm, and I'm thankful for it. Especially if I'm thinking about baseball while giving the sermon, that would typically result in a bad sermon. Yeah. If there's something you want to say, David, you're welcome to say it now. Just if, if you're a pastor and you're bored giving your sermon, then you know the people listening are to be you bored. You need to repent. So, so then when you look at people who are who are the ones that are then committing violations. So blasphemy would be a violation of the first commandment. Um, a, an act of external idolatry where you're bowing down to Molech, um, the, the swearing in the name of another God, um, and then the working mm. on the Sabbath, where you're just literally going out and doing obvious open commerce. And it's not necessity. It's not mercy. It's just, you're just playing straight up violating the Sabbath. Those are all external criminal behaviors uh, that are not just sins. And we all, you know, the, the, the standard American response is to go, how dare you? How could you possibly say those are criminal activities? How could you punish any of that? It's like, well, I don't know. Maybe your problems with the God of the Bible. Have you read the Old Testament? Like, what's the problem? Yeah. Is the problem that those things should not be crimes because there's some higher standard of justice that you can use to judge God? Or is the problem that you don't like God and you need to repent? Yeah. And if, if you don't like those commandments and then that's the that problem. But then the question of, okay, do those apply today or not? Okay, great. We're just talking about how do we interpret the Bible? And let's have that conversation. Right. I, I just want to add to this. And the other answer ought to be, you know, for basically the first like 200 years of American history, we had, we all had laws on the books Sabbath laws reflecting and, yeah. those first four commandments. Mm -hmm. Like, like, you know, like that's how our country was founded. Like in every state, there were blasphemy laws in every state. Um, there was idolatry laws right. in every state. There was um, not taking the Lord's name in vain laws. In every state, there were Sabbath laws. Right. There's still, I mean, I was in South Carolina. I'd never heard of blue laws before. And I was in South uh, Carolina. Oh, yeah, you go to the South. And Dave is probably going to, mm -hmm. um, uh, 
um, he's gonna he's gonna yell at me in a second. But yeah. um, I, we were having some people over for dinner uh, right after church on Sunday, and I, I said, "Hey, I'm gonna run and grab some beer." I run down to the grocery store, and I put a six pack of beer on the on the grocery store check, and the checkout lady looks at me with a blank face and says, "I can't sell that to you." And I thought she was kidding. I was like, ah, "That's really funny." Here's your money. And she was like, no, not until after six o'clock. And I was like, what? Wow. And she says, it's yeah. against, against, which is, first of all, like a really, like, that's a really sucky Sabbath law. Yeah. I mean, like, like <laughs> the Sabbath for celebrating. Yeah. Like, well, like yeah, at, yeah. at least let people buy some beer and wine for, so they can celebrate yeah, yeah, with their yeah. families. This is of yeah. necessity. Works of necessity, or, David. Or mercy. Or, or mercy, or David. Mercy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyways, anyways. But I think that's a, that's one point. Just it's as, funny. Like, after six o'clock, though. Sabbath. Right, yeah. But I'm just Sabbath saying, like, like this is where we came from. Like there was, yeah. like there were sodomy laws and divorce laws, yeah. um, on the books up through the '60s and the '70s, um, and people act like like that would be insane to yeah. have those laws on our books. And like you know, like our grandparents had lived had with these laws. Well, we, we don't books. respect our parents, yeah. so we definitely gonna respect Anyways, our grandparents. That's, that's honoring. You know, your I want David. I want to talk about um, before you jump in here and start talking about. Uh, Pastor Toby, Sabbath breaking. Um, <laughs> Buy the beer before the Sabbath, Toby. I, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. David, uh, David couldn't help himself. Uh, I, know, I knew he was like boiling over there. He was like, let me have it. Um, David, I want to talk about business in this conversation because I think a lot of times we see the family, how it works inside of the econ- uh, uh, inside of the, the country, how the church is supposed to work. But matter of fact, I think the church is one of those government governments that actually deals with sin. Right. Um, so that uh, the, the state doesn't deal with sins that manifest themselves in the mind. Right. That's the church's responsibility. Church and the family. Yeah. The church and the family. Absolutely. So that's something we can't even like. How do you because there's some people who really do want to deal with sin. It's like, yeah, but that's church and family governments but you don't believe in those um so how when it comes to businesses where do they how do they function in a more i guess how they function in this conversation because nobody talks about those yeah so you know we talked about that idea of of the sword in terms of the civil magistracy and by the way i think i might have failed to give the most precise answer on that which is simply the difference between a crime and a sin is the stuff that god says punish it that's the crime Mm. Yeah. So I don't know if I gave that in the earlier answer or not, but but when we talk about the role of the household and the church, um, and we think about business, right? Obviously, we have the church dealing with the keys. You have the preaching of the word, and you have kicking people out who are in unrepentant public sin. Right. But then you also in the household with children, you have the rod, and then inside of the the context of a business, there needs to be the positive teaching, right? So as opposed to walking in and having your you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion meeting, instead, what if you had the, okay, we're going to start with prayer. We're going to talk about the law of God a little bit. And let me remind you of the gospel. And okay, here's our business plan. We're going out here for the day. Everybody work unto the Lord, right? And so, so that kind of, imagine that there's the by the way teaching, right? You encourage people to do their morning and evening worship, you know, doing their private worship, doing their household worship, uh, you know, but when they're at work, having this recognition of we're going to enculturate in such a way that the law of God and the word of God are used all over the place. And so what if your handbook has the law of God in it? So you go, you know, why are we having this safety rule? Because we're trying to keep the sixth commandment and preserve life. Yeah. Um, and and so as opposed to just like, you know, hey, you know, safety first, it's like, how about the sixth commandment? <laughs> Why don't we reference the sixth commandment? I love that. Well, DEI stands for Doctrine, Eternity, and Integrity. <laughs> so you know what? I've been giving this a bad rap. Um, I gotta, I gotta repent. 
Uh, so, so I think this idea that the eighth commandment, you know, is not just about don't, don't like take paper clips, but the idea of, Hey, work really hard, build an estate, build property, make yeah. it so there's property capital that's underneath the law word of God. And also if you work really well with somebody, you want to start a business, you know, it, you might find that your former boss becomes an investor. You might find that they help to launch you into building a business. Yeah, yeah. You might find that there's lots of great opportunity to advance your own station by working well, being a good servant. You know, Proverbs talks about the idea, yeah. if just as a man who tends a fig tree gets to eat the fruit, he who serves his master well will also eat the fruit. Yeah. And so that that principle of, of working well in a Christian environment and mm-hmm. teaching an ethic that comes from God as opposed to just some sort of you know, corporate policy that's from whatever person made it up. I want to just underline something that you just said really briefly, David, but I don't think I, I think we've completely lost sight of this. But um, the, the, the idea, I mean, that a family is to work hard, um, be industrious, make more than they need, save up a man who a, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children and to his children's children. Um, the, the way that God made the world basically over generations families ought to become very wealthy. Yes. That's, yeah. that's intended by God. But what we have right now is we have, we've handed over so many of our responsibilities, um, so many of our duties before God to provide for our families, to provide educational yeah. institutions, to provide for the poor. I mean, there's all kinds of things that families ought to be doing, individuals ought to be doing through their family businesses that we've just handed over to the governments. Yeah. And then the governments has taxed us to kingdom come. So now that if any man actually says, I actually want to provide that kind of thing for my community, it's, it's double, triple, quadruple the effort right. or more right. because you're getting all that taken from you. Yeah. But I don't think people understand that, that how potent uh, a family is supposed to be in a, in a society, uh-huh. a godly, wealthy family yeah. is, is like has a lot of good influence right. to throw around a lot right. of good um, of a power and authority. And, 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 and there's all we can think of is the levers of power at the top. Yes. But, um, but there's God made the world such that there ought to be many, many layers Come on, of preaching now. Come wealth on. and authority right. um, because you've worked hard and produced a, a really useful product or service. Mm. I don't know if you, you want to add anything to that, David, but mm. I just think that's worth underlining. I think that's beautiful, Toby. And I think that this idea that he pulled his ear, ear plug out. Oh, oh, and his video. Dude, I'm cool. going to read this. Record that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to read. Uh, so uh, our assistant pastor, Sean Patterson, sent out an email today talking about uh, Dabney's book, um, Dabney on Fire, which is basically just a number of kind of quotes or chapters or sections. It's four articles. Um, okay, four articles. There you go. <laughs> and uh, that from our friend, Pastor Zach Garris. Yeah, Zach Garris put out. But this is the quote that uh, Sean sent out, Pastor Sean sent out uh, in the email this morning. And it's a Dabney quote. And it says, parenting is the one business for which the earth exists. To it, all politics, all war, all literature, all money-making ought to be subordinated. And every parent especially ought to feel every hour of the day that next to making his own calling and election sure, this is the end for which he is kept alive by God. This is his task on earth. Mm. Go baptize your kids if you have children. That's a weighty quote, you know. To it, all politics, all war, all literature, all money-making ought to be subordinated 
Yep. Yeah, and this is the end for which it is, is kept alive by God. That's that, just basically that, a summary of Deuteronomy six, though, isn't it? Yeah, but it, but it's like, but I think, yeah, no, you're right. But it's just like listed in like, like this is how important like this politics is. is subordinated. To yes, this. But, but I think everything. Flows we think the from, governments everything above, flows above from what, parenting. This is what yeah, we were talking right. about that last time we did our Twitter Spaces, where we're trying to right now. And I think Pastor, I think you answered it really well when we talked about this because I was telling you I was considering not voting, not because I'm not trying to engage, yeah, no. but because I wanted to say, I, I don't want myself to think, nor do I want to act and operate as if all the power is up here and all the levers are up here. Right, right. And then down here, there's nothing. Right. Right. right? Or it's not nearly as important or I can't really have any effect yeah. on anything. Right. Up here. But that's not the case at all. Right. And so we were talking about this. You're like, you can do both in. Right. It's not one or the other. And right. that's actually, when you said that, it made me think, you know what? That's part of knowing that your cosmological Thinking, you're, the way you think about the world is still saturated in that worldview when you have a bifurcation. Yeah, it's either or, either or, right? Yeah. When you, when you, uh, what do they call it? The, um, the false dilemma. Fa- yes, exactly, false yeah. dichotomy. Yeah, right. You have either or. When you're thinking like that, you don't. You're not thinking biblically, yeah. and you're not right. thinking very poetically either. Right. Right. right? It's just like, right. well, why can't I do both goods? Right. That's right. <laughs> right. That's right. And but I've realized though that doing the good that comes from the home is a qualification for being able to do the good that for follows every other office. That's right. That's right. A man is established in his ability to lead well by how he handles and grooms his own garden at home. That's right. There's a real, and a man that and, doesn't. And, and it also, and it also builds so like what you do at home. It, it, it builds and you have more over time. Yeah. More authority. Yes. More influence, yes. more power, God given um, um, influence and power. Um, and so it's not only are you training for other things, it's like it itself actually multiplies and you have a household. Um, yes. I, I've said this before when, when Joshua says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Like he's like 110 years old. Yeah. And if he had been fruitful and multiplied, like he's probably Three, got, he's got hundreds of people That's behind right. him. After, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's not just like, he's not just like me and my three kids. Yeah. We're going to, you know, like, which would be, you know, that's all God gave him. That'd be fine. Yeah. Yeah. But like, he's saying like me and my tribe, right. Me mm. and all my people right. behind, they're all standing behind me. They're with me and we're going to serve the Lord. Right. Um, that's way. Yeah. I, it just seems to be, um, I'm watching the conversation happen on X cause I don't know where else it's happening right now where people actually engage in the dialogue back and forth, yeah. uh, some articles that are happening here or there, but there seems to be uh, a, an ignorance as to how a nation uh, comes to, to be Christian. Mm. And everybody's arguing about how pagans are going to get treated in this, this right. con- you know what I mean? And I'm thinking like, but no, this is back to, this is back to David's point. We don't, I think our problem is there's a whole bunch of Christians that don't want God. Well, that's, that's the thing. Like they don't want God. Like they don't want God's law. They don't want God. They're like, they don't trust God. Uh, Why are we more comfortable? Okay. Let's say that Christianity and everything's over here. Right. And everybody, uh, Christians are on this other team on the idolaters team looking and saying, yeah, but there's going to be a lot of changes that happens. If we say Christ is Lord of our nation. What about all these people? What happens to them? And I'm thinking to myself, did you just make a defense for why we should be okay with idols? Yeah. You know, see what I'm saying? There's no like, neutrality. Th- th- you should at least say, hey, let's argue inside of the Christ is Lord, what it looks like yeah. with Christ is Lord and establish that. Whether they're saying, can, can we actually have Christ is Lord? Because right. that might cause trouble right. with our current situation. Which, which means that they're, hey, they're fundamentally saying we'd rather 65 million babies dead <sighs> than live under Christ. And they would never say that, right? right. That, no, they would. You think so? Oh, yeah. I think some of them. I mean, this is how, well, how did the Jews get to the point where they said his blood be upon us and our children? Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Those are God's people. Mm-hmm. Those are God's people who said we would rather do that. Now, I, I, I'm not. There's there's gradations. Like I think sure. there are, are people that sure. are much closer to us, and they'd never say that. Yeah. But I also think there are a bunch of evangelical Christians who would yeah. rather live in a world where abortion is legal than Jesus okay. being Lord. So Jesus being Lord. I, I was going to ask. David's not back yet. He's not back yet. He's still he's still working on it. All right. So until we get him back, I was gonna I might as well just ask you guys this question because I've seen this pop up a lot too. And I'm, this is why I'm so excited to have this conversation at the conference. Right. Stephen Wolf, Joe Webbin, um, and Pastor, Pastor Wilson. Yeah. Um, there is almost I see it coming from my G three family. I see it come. And by the way, those are friends. So I'm happy to have this conversation with them. Yeah. But a lot. And I'm of not th- talking about them, by the way. They're not. They're abolitionists. They're. Yeah. They're, yeah. No. They're, yeah. They're, yeah. They're, no, they're, no. They're not doing that. Oh, yeah, and fortunately, we have to make all the caveats because people all can't the see all the yeah. distinctions because yeah, everybody yeah. can't make their own anymore. <laughs> speaking generals. Um. But there is a push inside the people who are anti. A crisis lord of the nation and making that um, oath. Oh, David's back. David, if you can, do you hear? I can hear you. Can you okay. hear me? Yeah, yeah, great. So I'll give this question to you. Um, did you hear my setup? No. Okay. There inside. It wasn't very good. It, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let me repeat my not so good setup for you. Dave is so encouraging. Um, I think you're following the whole kind of Christian nationalist conversation, the enemy conversation happening on X, and a lot of people are concerned that post-millennialism is leading the charge of this Christian nation. And so they can't sign on to Christ as Lord because post, because post-millennialism and post-millennialism is a problem because they're trying to establish the kingdom of God um, by force and coercion. And so they can't be a part of this Christian nationalism or this, or this theonomy or this Christ as Lord. They can't be a part of anything that establishes a nation as Christendom. Christendom. What is your response to something like that? Sounds like they need to repent. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Is there more? Okay. So, so if I were going to say more, what I would say is that first of all, postmillennialism does not depend upon coercing people into the kingdom. Mm. Right. So what we have is we acknowledge that God sovereignly predestines those who will be saved and those who will not be. We are the fragrance of death to the dead and of life to the living. And we are also this the, the preaching of the word is the principal instrument to be used, that what we need to do is to see people converted by the preaching of the word. What the sword does is it cuts off the most awful people. The mm. sword cuts off the people that are going around and trying to, you know, you, you execute you know, kidnappers and rapists and murderers, and you're, you're dealing with all these people who are committing awful crimes, and you are removing the worst elements of society and protecting that core. Does that mean that everybody's going to do righteousness? No. But, but the idea that we're going to advance, we're going to see the leaven of the gospel leaven the whole lump, we're going to see all the nations covenant and submit to the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to see the word fill the earth so that the knowledge of God fills the earth as the waters cover the sea, we're going to see Egypt covenant, and we're going to see Assyria covenant, and there'll be a highway between them through Israel, right? There's going to be all this. We're going to see all of these promises fulfilled, and it's done by the preaching of the word and the conversions that occur by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that causes houses to be good and in, in, put into good order. And that'd be like saying, if if you think that we shouldn't establish Christian governments because we're trying to build the kingdom with coercion, that's like saying we shouldn't discipline our kids because that's trying to build the kingdom with a spanking rod. Like it's absurd. Oh, we all know that you that you teach people words and then you also apply discipline. And that'd be like saying you shouldn't have church discipline because we you know you think you're going to save people by by church discipline it's absurd every institution has its role and every institution has its authority 
And we use that authority according to the law of God in every sphere. So if the problem is post-millennialism, maybe you read your Bible more and you'll become post-millennial. <laughs> you know what? I also, you know, as you were just talking, I was just thinking, what's the alternative? The alternative would be some sort of nominal nah, Christian confession that that they actually don't want. <laughs> Right. That's what everybody is concerned about is some sort of nominal Christianity. Right. But the alternative to a, a true declaration of Christ as Lord and then actually doing what you said would be some sort of nah, right. all over everything. Or just what we have. Or nah. Secularism. <laughs> I, think right. we, I think what we have is worse. Than yeah. 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 You think that, that is co- and that is not coercive. Oh, uh, all coercion. right. Anyway, I'm going to read this ad now. The mission of Armored Republic is to honor Christ by equipping free men with tools of liberty necessary to preserve God-given rights. In the Armored Republic, there's no king but Christ. We are free craftsmen. Body armor is a tool of liberty. We create tools of liberty. Free men must remain ever vigilant against tyranny wherever it appears. God has given us the tools of liberty needed to defend the rights he's bestowed to us. An armored republic is honored to offer you those tools. So visit them today at ar500armor.com. That's the letters AR, the number 500-500-armor.com. David, um, and with that, wanted to, um, well, first off, just, Thank you for your, your sponsorship yeah. of, of cross politic and everybody out there. You should visit AR500Armor.com just just because you want them to know that you 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 heard about them on our show. Dripology. Um, just go check them out. Um, but I know you've also been work like you've been working on some new technology um, and uh, some new products, and I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about that as well. Yeah, thank you. So in short, what we've been trying to do is to figure out how to increasingly take things that are closer and closer to the cutting edge and to figure out how to pull down the cost for people. And so our goal has never been to say, let's take the most expensive possible thing, because we're not principally concerned about selling to governments, we're concerned about selling to the free man. So if you're going to spend your own dollars as opposed to the taxpayer dollars, unless I guess you are the taxpayer, so I guess it is the taxpayer's dollar. But so if you're going to be spending your own money as opposed to somebody else's, then what you are really concerned about is getting the most cost-effective tool. So we're looking to get you the most value in terms of generating a product that helps you to be able to stop the rounds that you might be having fired at you from stormtroopers. Or you know, if you were concerned about protecting your property against a criminal, what are the most efficient ways for you to be able to resist tyranny and to be able to resist criminals. And so we've got um, a number of ceramic offerings that we've been able to recently put out. So if you want to check out the C3, it's a product that we are very excited about in terms of how cost effective it is as a multi-hit level four ceramic plate. We have all of our old offerings, but the other piece of technology that I'm also really excited about is called the A3, which is a very thin piece of alloy with a backer that is made up of what's called ultra high molecular weight polyethylene, which is basically a a synthetic and plastic material that allows you to have the ability to stop rifle rounds along with that piece of steel that is a special alloy that is designed to help to make it so that there's a kind of pancaking that occurs of a round. It goes in and gets caught in the catcher's mitt that is that kind of back piece. Mm. So it's neat. It has some advantages over ceramic. I would encourage people who like ceramic to check out the C3 and people who are interested in seeing this new hybrid technology to check out the A3 on our site. I think those are both great pieces of technology. In addition to that, I'm continuing to try to build out tactical tools that we can provide for free men 
I have a new round of acquisitions that I'm engaged with to, in order to try to add more products and to try to add more offerings that we can give out to people and to take companies that were non-Christian and make them into Christian businesses. Huh. And so people can reach out to me at davidreese at armoredrepublic.com. And I'd love to uh, be able to talk to you if you're interested at all in participating and helping to be a part of acquiring additional companies to make them into Christian companies. Um, and I uh, like to harass people about all sorts of things on x i guess formerly twitter i'm still not used to x yeah yeah no, it's twitter yeah i'm trying to get uh david to tweet a lot more on or uh, message a lot more on x it's still called post. A tweet. they say post po- no it's still actually if you go to it you pull it, it up and no it, says post. It, it actually says tweet you get, okay you I gotta hit you. the post the, button to hit post and then no, it turns the, into the a post tweet. button is actually it a becomes tweet, tweet. The post button section. Anyway, right. <laughs> David, thank you so much, man, for man, coming on Cross Politics. Yeah, I really appreciate um, your, your work and your perspective, man. I always say this because I think people need to know this. For people who have not pulled their kids out of government schools and they are sending their children to government schools without a backpack from our republic, just saying, like, you should you should grab one. They'd be valuable. Oh, there you go. Right there. Turn it around. Yeah, let's just, let's just talk right about there. that joker. Oh, David, you a- want to model this joker off? Tell everybody what, what, Gabe, is looking, what Gabe is holding. So that right there is an armored backpack. And basically you have like less than a half pound of extra weight that you're going to feel over an ordinary backpack. And so if you just get an armored backpack, I mean, I take it into business meetings and, uh, you know, just nobody knows. Right? You take it on an airplane, nobody knows. CSA doesn't know. Yeah. They don't care. Yeah. It's not outlawed or anything like that anyways. But the idea that you can have armor with you wherever you go, 95% of gun crimes are committed with something that that standard backpack will stop. And so you know, don't don't send your kids to the public school. Just don't. Don't yes. do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Take them. <laughs> out yeah but but also just get an armored backpack because if you're going to carry a backpack around you might as well have it be able to stop bullets man i love it it. i love it i I had carried a backpack since high school college and uh when david uh uh, gave us uh, our backpacks and everything i've been carrying my backpack all over and and it's just orange it's sweet i just want to know what kind of business meeting david is going to <laughs> yeah, you know all three of you conceal carrying right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, at least one of us is, uh, and, and apparently at least one of you has armor. Which he's going to win the gunfight. That's right. <laughs> Depends on where I shoot. David, thank you for <laughs> thank you for being here. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have children. If you have children, go baptize them. Until tomorrow, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is cross politics. It is the duty of the free man to resist tyranny at every turn. Every man will either watch his freedom stripped away or take action to protect what he loves. Introducing the A3, the newest revolutionary body armor from Armored Republic. The A3 is the new standard for lightweight multi-hit body armor. A3 plates are incredibly light at 4.6 pounds. The patented design captures fragmentation while remaining multi-hit capable. The A3 will stop up to M80 ball, yet comes in at only 0.7 inches thick. The A3 is the thinnest NIJ.06 compliant or certified composite standalone plate that includes the drop test. The A3 is the first of its kind, patent pending, that combines an alloy strike face with polyethylene backing revolutionizing body armor technology by providing strength and durability while remaining sleek and maneuverable. The A3 is the new standard in lightweight body armor. The fight against tyranny just got stronger.